great. Well, welcome to um, Standing in the Rubble. Um, this is a series where we're looking at um, the new landscape that we're standing in, the new normal, the new reality. The, um, everything's changed. And how do we adjust as a church? And how do we position ourselves? How do we form ourselves? And how do we disciple ourselves um, as a church in this new landscape? And today, um, I'm talking with Reverend David Keane, um, who is quite local for us. Um, he is vicar of St. James and St. Peter's here in Yeovil. Um, so a partner in serving and loving our community and being the church together in our town. Uh, welcome, David. Thank you for making the time. Excellent. Great to have you with us. Um, yeah, so um, how, I mean, let's start at the top. How's this, um, how's this lockdown, this pandemic been for, for you and for St. James and St. Peter's? How's, how's it been? Yeah, um, I think pers personally, it's, it's been, I've been surprised how exhausted I've, I've got. Mm. That even though my, my, my diary has sort of at a stroke emptied of all the meetings and appointments and things I had in it. Um, but the, the variety that, that I used to really enjoy about the job of having, you know, every hour was different from the last. It's now become very samey. I'm sat in front of this camera and this screen most of the time. Um, the workload is around sorting out the Sunday broadcasts that we do on YouTube. Um, and just ringing up people in the parish, organising a bit of home shopping, prescription collecting, that sort of thing. Um, and actually not a great deal else. So it's kind of quite samey in the, so the motivation can be a bit of a problem. But at the same time, it feels like there, there, there is a bit more sort of free time. There is a bit more time to think if I can use it. It's one of those things where it's time to do the stuff you would do you said i'll do that when i've got the time, the time. then you find you have the time but you don't have the motivation yeah um, so, <laughs> and we're finding um, that maybe maybe time wasn't ever the issue <laughs> maybe it was motivation uh, that was the issue yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i'm enjoying cycling there's lots of nice levels right. around uh, and they've been clear yeah everybody cyclists and walkers so that's been nice um, yeah church um I think that the church, the church is in pretty good heart. I think people have adapted quite quickly. We, we switched. We we had one Sunday where we we broadcast live from one of our churches, and then the churches were shut. And the next Sunday we broadcast live from here in our front room. Thankfully, I've got a couple of teenage kids who are quite technically able. Um, so we we just moved onto YouTube because that was the platform with least barriers to getting onto it compared mm. to Facebook, where you passwords and access codes um so um yeah so our youtube channel has suddenly kind of taken on a life of its own we've had to redo all of our other online stuff as well so the website now looks right. very different full of all sorts of different resources our facebook pages have become much more alive we've got a whatsapp group for the smaller church st peter's and um and what one of the first big jobs was was just going through everybody that we knew in the church and working out how do we get in touch with these folk uh, there's some we have emails for, some we have a, a, a kind of text for, some we only have a landline for, some we only have an address for. Yeah. Um, how do we make sure we don't leave behind? Yeah. Like, um, what I call the landline group, where that's all we have. We've got yeah. about 50 people across the two churches that are not on the internet in any meaningful form. So uh, some of them, 
they'll ring up somebody else who's watching the YouTube broadcast, put the phone on speakerphone and stick it in front of the telly. So they join in in that way, which is great. So we're trying to mix up email communication, home delivery, that sort of thing. Mm. The great thing about that is I'm now in contact more regularly with folk in the church than I ever was before. You turn up on Sunday and have a brief kind of how you're doing over the coffee. But um, yeah, I'm talking to about 15, 15, 20 people a week over, over the phone. Um, we're sending out an email a couple of times a week to church members. So there's now more communication from church leadership to the membership than there's ever been. Um, it's interesting, even the worship, the YouTube comment stream that we use, there's now more interactivity in the worship than in some respects than there was on a Sunday because people are using it to post prayer requests, to respond to the sermon or different aspects of worship. And the virtual coffee time is just chaos. Everybody piles in with comments and you're trying to read them back and sort of act like a sort of breakfast TV presenter. Um, so that's quite fun. Um, but I think it, it just shows that sense of connection that people want. I think mm. there's loads and loads of stuff out on the internet, but people within our congregation, I think what they're valuing is, is a connection to one another, that it's community, even though it's online, yeah. watching another church, it wouldn't be the same. They'd be watching a broadcast or a presentation of somebody else's stuff. Right. They wouldn't belong. Yeah. I think that belonging thing is, is coming across as really important and obviously even more important because people can't actually yeah. kind of physically with each other yeah no i think i think we've seen the same and we're on a you know slightly um bigger scale but still we i think one of the things that people really appreciated at ycc is that we we broadcast live on a sunday it's not recorded stuff that's kind of put out live it's it's we broadcast live and i think people really appreciate that sense of we're we're seeing people online that we're you know we're connecting with them and um and we're able to broadcast from different houses um different homes so we have a worship leader in one and a speaker in the other and a host in the other and we even visit people in their homes um but it's um i think people really enjoy that live that connected aspect i think people are, are looking for that connectedness and i think we've also seen a number of people maybe who either they've moved away from the area and or they've you know haven't been coming to church for a while but they, they found this is a way to really reconnect and and join in and engage and i'm sure you've seen the same yeah the same yeah, that's thing right. which is really encouraging yeah and um and in some ways it's easier for folk can be easier to for folk to invite people to join church because yeah. trying to get different people involved and do readings and prayers and stuff and so folk can say oh look did you see me on youtube and send the link so we've been sending the links to our family members um, it's an old friend of mine who lives in Essex who kind of joins us online, people who are former members. Yeah. I think one thing that's interesting, because we never did any streaming of services before this, this the style of worship leading from a front room in a webcast, we're kind of realising that's very different from how you lead a church service in a building. So going back into the building, we, we can't just stream yeah it's actually doing it this way is a different it's a different way of leading worship and it, yeah. and it could be a different, we may have to run sort of parallel tracks of webcast worship that's designed yeah. for this meeting yeah effectively a different congregation it's designed for the building yeah yeah so you have different congregations almost it's almost like planting another church maybe coming out of this and yeah 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 you know, self-isolating 
interestingly, the, <laughs> the people who were, you'd expect to be most attached to the church building, the more traditional folk and, and older age groups, are actually going to be the ones that are most in need of the street, the, the virtual congregation, because mm. that will be their own. That's right. That's their access point. And so, I mean, that leads us into some of the, well, how, how does the church adapt? Maybe reposture itself as we, as we, whatever coming out of this COVID thing looks like and whenever, however, whatever, what, how rocky the path is from here on out. Um, we're not going back to normal. I think that's the, that's the only certainty in all of this. We're not going back to normal. So um, how do we as the church in Yeovil, um, since we're both we both lead in Yeovil, what does what does it look like for the church in Yeovil moving forward? How are we going to adapt? How are we going to engage with our community more? Yeah, um, I mean we've we've been we put together a team of volunteers to do prescription and shopping collections and stuff for the folk in the community, and and the kind of one to one engagement that we've had in folk through that with folk through that has been with with people that we didn't have much contact with before. Um, and I think that's thrown at something really interesting that our, a lot of our outreach, particularly at St. James, was sort of programme-based. Mm. Coffee morning, here are all these groups, which people came along to and enjoyed, but they never really fed into church membership in any meaningful way. We've now got sort of one-to-one -one stuff. Here's, here's a person who's going to do some shopping. There's a the person they're doing some shopping for. And they kind of get to establish a one-to-one -one relationship. And... Um, several of those people that we've had contact with are saying, well, when, I'm when all this is over, I want to come to your church. So that kind of raises the question for me, well, what's better? What's more effective in terms of outreach? Is it these kind of programmes and groups that we set up in the hope that something about God will rub off? Or is it something much more targeted um, where you, you've got maybe a deeper relationship with a smaller number yeah. uh, rather than a sort of broad gathering people together thing because the whole model of gathering people together in groups that's that's closed off for us for goodness knows how long um, yeah. so we have to find another way yeah yeah we do have to find another way and i think that it's so much about relationship isn't it i think that's what we a that's what people are craving as we've already talked about people craving connection and relationship and whatever but actually when we when we just engage with people where they're at meet you know, serve, love, meet the needs, you know, um, kingdom of God comes in one act of love at a time, one relationship at a time. This is how we connect with people, love with people. I think how we adapt to that and, um, and avoid the centralization maybe that we've done in the past. Um, the, yeah. like, this is how we do it and this is our culture and this is how we meet and this is what you need to adapt to or you need to adapt to us rather than, um, and the centralization thing also relates to kind of where, where it's all based. If you have everything at your central premises where you're gathering people, you've got to get people there in the first place. Um, we've got, you know, every week we've been going and standing outside our front door and saying hello to the people mm -hmm. at eight o'clock on a Thursday night. And we've got, thankfully, some talented musicians down the road who stick their speakers out the front and have done a number of music events. Um, and you can see around Yeovil people doing all sorts of different things in their streets, sing-alongs, dance-alongs, and so on. So, neighbor, you know, the, the there's been a chance to reconnect with our neighbours. So what happens if the main centre of operations for the church goes from the building to the home? Yeah. Um, the home becomes a main centre of worship. 
we've been known by Kingdom Come, we've been encouraging people to create prayer spaces in their own homes. What if the home is the main centre of mission? Um, which I've just sent an email out to our church and finished with that last verse of Acts. Where Paul is under house, house arrest in Rome, but preaches the gospel freely and without hindrance. Um, so trying to think through as a church, well, what if we say that the home is the centre of gravity? And instead of having one church building, we've got a hundred, um, but they're all houses. Um, another bit of reading that I came across in, during lockdown was about the, it's from a Baptist um, historian who talked about how many Baptist churches before it was legal to meet, the Baptist churches would meet in homes and they'd be disguised as normal dwellings, but a room in, in the home would, would be set up as a place of worship and that's where they met. So at that period in the, in the life of the Baptist church, the home was the place of worship, the place of prayer, the place of mission, the place of discipleship, uh, etc. Um, so, yeah, that's been going around my head. How do we how do we make that transition from the building as the place where mission, worship, everything happens to the home as the place where all of that happens? Mm -hmm. And how do we, because um, I certainly recognise on Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, we were talking about how it seems to me that when any renewal or revival or whatever that happens, it seems to, throughout history, there seems to be a shaking, as there was on Pentecost, um, um, but also more culturally there was a shaking going on at the time. Um, and then the, there seems to be a dispersal, um, a dispersal out from the centre of decentralisation, there seems to be. And... And so what you're saying absolutely resonates, but then how do we, um, you know, not necessarily speaking to me as a church leader, like how do I enable that, but how people in our homes, um, your, your church, your members, our, 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 our community, um, people in their homes are going, yeah, yeah, no, there is something on my street, there's something in my community. How, how do they build on that? How do they engage? Um, and and grow something, um, turn that into something more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think with, you know, with with the the clap supposedly finishing, um, though I imagine some people still go out and do it. Imagine they will. There's, there's now, a, I suppose, there's now a bit of a moment now and, and a space where folk can say, just sort of put a letter through neighbor, neighbor's letterbox and saying, okay, we've done all of that. We're going to have a socially distanced how about a socially distant street party or a talent show or a barbecue or whatever yeah. works for that bit of your street. I mean, I, I run an estate with lots of cul-de-sacs and small streets. So that works here. If you're in a big urban setting with where everything's a through road, that might not work quite so well, or nobody has a garden or you're in a block mm. flat. But um, if people have been doing that kind of community thing and seeing each other and maybe getting to know each other a bit. So we had a baby born on our street during lockdown. So each week we sort of got more of a sight of the baby as it appeared the first week. It didn't even have a name. So kind of, there was a bit of sort of local wow. story going on there. Yeah. And a couple of nurses caring for somebody down the other end of the road who would finish their shift um, at eight o'clock on a Thursday. So as they got into the car and drove down the street, we would all stand out and applaud as they drove wow. past. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so there's a kind of opportunity there to build relationships and make connections in our neighbourhoods and say, well, we don't, we, do we want to let this fizzle out? Yeah. Or do we want to kind of build on it? Do you want um, to do some more? Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah and, and connect with people more and as we're allowed to invite people over for barbecues or whatever it might be um, as that as that eases and connect build friendships build community serve bless yeah and um and i guess that sort of renewal that sort of revival is um if you can get your head around right it's kind of like a well yeah no i can see how we might see some more of that but um you know i think obviously that there is a lot of talk about oh there's a shaking going on and this is you know we're talking about standing in the rubble whatever and i think as you said to me earlier like there's a well you know we've been up and down this hill a few times and um let's see what happens and do you want, do you want to talk a little bit about that and yeah. maybe yeah. how that feels at the moment yeah. yeah i mean just one other thing on there what what might renewal look like the other thing that's floating around my head at the moment is um just looking at looking at monasticism and the idea of a rule of life particularly dispersed monastic communities that have found a way to maintain identity as a community in different places but our model of christian community is based on having a, a building and a meeting time where everybody gets together but there are lots of other examples in christian history of christian groups that have maintained an identity in other ways and the other kind of in a sense that the other strongest form of christian community that has done everything a church should do is the monastic model um, and it's something we've looked at at St Peter's Church our smaller church um, a great little booklet called Seven Sacred Spaces by George Links where he looks at different aspects of monastic community and how do you how, how can you map that onto the life of a local church um, I mean the seven spaces that that's um, the chapel the place of worship the cell the place of personal prayer the chapter the place of decision making scriptorium the place of learning the refectory place of hospitality garden and kitchen the place of work and service and the cloister the place of informal meeting and walking with people and having conversation so we've tried to have a look at that and say within st peter's church and its community center how can those spaces monastic spaces be mapped into the life of a local church and even in mapped into individual spirituality can you have a rule of life based on worship prayer service availability hospitality decision making and taking responsibility for your local area and whatever the other one was yeah and i think well i think that's a really interesting idea isn't it because um yeah we might come back to what renewal looks like but i think that let's talk about that for a little bit because that's you know i think what formation looks like spiritual formation looks like is actually really important at the moment and um you know just to reflect we had this um prophetic word I think last year um, which came from a member of our team that just said um, whatever this new looks like um, people are gonna we're gonna need to all dig our own wells was the phrase we all need to dig our own wells and and the days you know at least for a while of coming together in the church space and praying in this in this holy place in this spiritual center in this um, yeah. reading the Bible to each other and whatever that these days are, are gone for a while at least. And um, so what does, what does that spiritual formation look like? And I've heard all sorts of stories of people finding new rhythms, but do you want to maybe expand on that, those seven spaces a little bit? And, and yeah. Um, you'll see maybe. We, yeah. Cause we, I mean, the St. Peter's story is it's a, it's a, 1930s church on a council estate, quite a deprived area in Yeovil, had a, a fairly knackered old church hall that we rebuilt into a community centre last year. 
and so we had the church building um, and the community centre all in the same area. The community centre had a kitchen, um, little sort of garden area around it, and we wanted it to become a place for sort of advice and adult education. So you've got the learning bit of monastic community, you've got the chapel, the place of worship, you've got the kitchen, mm. the place of hospitality. And there were there were quite a few connections, and we thought, how is there a holistic view of life here in this seven sacred spaces model that maps onto sort of the church? Because in the in, in the period where the, where the monasteries were really kind of taking off, there was nothing else holding Europe together. The Roman Empire had gone, and with that went the universal language and culture, trade, learning, everything. Uh, and, and the only place that held all of that together was, was the monasteries. That's where all the, the books were. That's where yeah. people learned to read and write. That's where the civil service came from. That's where people were cared for in hospitals and hospices. Um, that's where brewing was invented. Happy days, um, uh, like Belgian beer, all, all monastic, all monastic stuff. Dom Perignon was a monk, inventor champagne. Um, so, the, the monasteries held onto learning, technology, culture, language, um, education, um, the caring professions, uh, rest for travellers. They reclaimed the land, vast swathes of Europe, the swamp, and they, and they reclaimed the land and invented agricultural technology. So, so the monasteries, a local Christian community, was at the heart of renewal and, and the maintenance of the good in European society for centuries. And so when we're talking about standing in the rubble, I, th I think we were in the rubble before coronavirus, if you look at the wreck of Western post-Christian culture. Um, and um, Alistair McIntyre, I think is the name, of the book After Virtue, which is, is hard going, but great stuff. And he talks about how it might be local communities that, that are the basis for the preservation of culture and the preservation of, of, of goodness and virtue in his language. Um, and we just thought, okay, we're in a different time to the monasteries, but we're living at a moment of the disintegration of a, of a Western capitalist culture. And is it gonna be local communities that hold on to God and that mm. live out the life of God faithfully, that what will be what's left when everything else is gone? Um, and so, yeah, we were getting quite excited about it and thinking, how does that, what does that look like in a, in a deprived urban estate in Somerset? Right. Um, yeah. And finding all sorts of connections. Yeah, no, that's really good. That's really good. And maybe that is where, um, you know, there's, there's work. Thank you very much. It's right there, right on hand. Excellent. <laughs> um, no, that's really good. Um, so then... Yeah, and I think you've answered the question then, don't you? Because that's where, that's where that revival or renewal, whatever that looks like, and I don't think it's going to look like anything we've seen before. I don't think these, you know, glorified visions of, you know, whatever it's been like in the past or however we envisage everyone coming to faith and believing what we believe or whatever. I think, um, I don't think it's going to look like that, um, but maybe it does look like communities learning how to be communities again and, and learning how to have Christ at the centre of that, um, yeah. learning how to um love prefer serve each other um connect with each other see beauty in each other um celebrate diversity celebrate um maybe that's some of what this looks like and that's and we can become facilitators um of that kingdom um protagonists of that kingdom um whatever um we can become um yeah activists within that uh, within that kingdom um yeah I mean, I I mean, I must admit, I, 
there's sort of talk about kind of oh this is a great shaking that's been prophesied and we're going to see god do great things and and i think yeah maybe we will i like kingdom come and things like that encourage me there's been a revival of prayer in the church over the last few years um but i also think that there's also a slight laziness about that um we talked earlier about sort of the grand old duke of york scenario that the church has been up and down this hill so many times all revivals around the corner the toronto blessing or this or the other and um and it and, it, and it's not um and, and we'd always love we'd love to think that it's coming that, that it's just about to happen but um it's usually a mess it often comes as you said with persecution and to be positioned in the right place as God's people, we've got to be utterly devoted to God and each other. The New yeah. Testament, the word devotion is at the heart of the descriptions of the New Testament church, devoted yeah. to to teaching, fellowship, breaking bread and prayer. Monastic communities were devoted to each other, to a rule of life, to God that gave their whole lives to it. Um, if we're not a devoted church, then if there is a wave, it'll wash right past us um, mm. or, or, or it'll drown us. Mm. Um, we won't be we won't well, god won't be able to use us the way that he wants to it's mm. we want revival we've got to be prepared to get sweaty because it's going to be really hard work well that's right and i think sometimes our, our our dreams of revival have always been quite passive like god's just going to do it god will just bring it and we and we get to be spectators who are affirmed in our rightness of we were we were the, we were there first we believed it first and um yeah i had this we wish i had this image or this language that i was reflecting on the other day that i haven't finished processing yet um but just there's this phrase that was in my head that said if we're supposed to be and it was around the idea that we we're supposed to be the yeast um in our communities or we're supposed to be the salt or we're supposed to be the um and it was something, just this phrase in my head that said the yeast doesn't demand that the flour becomes yeast um the yeast acts within the community to see the whole community become beautiful. It doesn't demand that the whole loaf of bread is yeast um, because that wouldn't be, that it wouldn't be bread. It wouldn't be, and it wouldn't be beautiful. And it wouldn't taste good and it wouldn't be what it's supposed to be. And, and this kind of expectation that revival looks like everyone becoming like us or, or thinking like us or like, um, or necessarily even believing everything that we believe, but actually maybe what we're called to do is to, is to be facilitators of these spaces, curators of these spaces where God is tangible um where where everybody anybody can encounter um god in some way and can express god in some way and um where people are learning how to love how to forgive how to um how to bless how to be more generous how to see the other more than they see themselves and um all those characteristics as it were of of the kingdom or characteristics of renewal um maybe that's something that we can be involved in um curating and facilitating and um enabling in our in our communities and maybe because you know the lockdown and everything um it makes it harder to be lumpy church where your only encounter with the yeast is a great big block of it or gathered in one place at a yeah. particular time because we're dispersed yeah i i did um it's interesting i did when boris johnson when it was announced that boris johnson was going into hospital with um, coronavirus um I kind of thought I need to I need to pray and and somehow I need to lead people in prayer for this guy who's our prime minister, Rebecca. Mm. That's what we do. Um, so I thought, how do I do that? I, I can't call people together because that's not allowed. Um, so 
So I just went on Facebook Live and I prayed for Boris Johnson, the first thing that came into my head. And um, the, in the end, about a thousand people watched the video. Wow. Uh, and I got all sorts of comments, including from people down my street who'd never been to church. But it was kind of, here is, here's what we normally do behind a solid 600-year-old wall, right. sort of half a mile away from my house, broken down into a small sort of chewable amount and put in a place where people can get at it. Yeah. And what happens if we take Lumpy Church and break it down into crumbs uh, and just chuck it around? On social media, into places where people, into places yeah. where people can. Yeah, I think um, that's so true, and I think that's sort of what happened with the blessing, wasn't it? And yeah, same thing. well, also in a way that people can get to it. I mean, I yeah. don't know how many, I don't know how many people outside the church watched the blessing and thought that's great. I know loads of Christians loved it, uh, and we we're oh look, there's there's this guy from Delirious, and there's somebody else we recognised. Um, it still struck me as a little bit churchy, mm. and a little bit subculturey, uh, and maybe that's just me, because um, the the authenticity of having somebody that you know, some stumbling Christian just going on Facebook or whatever and, and sticking a prayer up or saying, here's a little psalm I found useful or whatever. Um, mm. Yeah, there's still, there's still a balance, I think, to be had between the corporate, slick, well-produced, wow, isn't that inspiring and amazing stuff, and the authentic, local, raw, unpolished sure. um, yeah, life yeah. stuff for new Christians. Yeah, and um, and this and this dispersal, we are a, a priesthood of all believers. Like this isn't just about you and I as church leaders who are supposed to be doing this professionally somehow, but actually have the whole yeah. church being priests in their families and in their communities and um, yeah. wherever they are. Um, Most watched best of our of our broadcast worship was. Um, I mean, you see the state of my study books everywhere. So we put a little backdrop up with a with a picture of a sunset on it. Uh, me and my wife were sort of co-leading the uh, the after-service banter, uh, and the picture keeled over and fell on our heads. Uh, and so people now just go and watch the um, the YouTube clip of the service, the to getting attacked by our own furniture. <laughs> and then there's obviously another church uh, church leader in Yeovil who got cramped during worship, and that went quite viral too. I understand. So, Did it? Uh, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send me the link after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah great so thanks david it's a final question is there a verse um or a scripture or a story within scripture that's just that has just been resonating for you at the moment over these last couple of weeks or six weeks or whatever it might be that's just um stirring in you um i i mean i must admit i found it massively fruitful through in the church of england through lent Easter, the run-up to Pentecost, being in lockdown, and then looking at looking at the number of people in the Bible that were in lockdown in some form or other. So you know, Noah yeah. is in the boat with his family. It, it's thirteen months they're in there. It's not just forty days. They have to wait. No. Yeah. And they have the initial kind of epidemic of rain, but then the releasing of the lockdown takes the best part of a year after that. Um, and so there are all, there are loads and loads of stories of people in the Bible. Who were kind of shut into their homes, the disciples locked down for fear of the Jews. Um, and so for us, we've kind of got these phrases of Jesus is not on lockdown and the Holy Spirit is not on lockdown. But mm. whatever locked doors there are, Jesus can get through them. Uh, can get through them from the outside to come and meet us, and can yeah. get through them from the inside to get out to where people are. Um, yeah. So 
just the, the, all of those Easter stories, resurrection stories about the disciples locked down for fear of the Jews, for fear of what's going on outside. And yeah. Jesus locked down, Jesus can get through the door. Yeah, um, that yeah I love that. Wild and free. He's not yeah. restricted at all by what's going on. Yeah, no, I love that. And that really resonates for us at uh, YCC as well, because our phrase for this lockdown is one church, many living rooms. And just this idea that um, the spirit is encountering us wherever we are across the geography of where we're dispersed. And um, whilst we're in lockdown, we're not able to be together, like the spirit is entirely um, with us all. And, and God meets us right where we are. So yeah, one church, many living rooms. And um, yeah, so that really resonates as well. Thank you for that. And thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, nice. Thank, thank you. Thanks for asking me some questions. It's, it's, good, it's good to think about this stuff. Uh, and I think, oh, one other thing, can I mention this? You can let it if you want to. Uh, one thing I found I was reading at the start of lockdown um, was a book by Bill Hybels, who might not be flavor of the month now. But um, this is a book of Axiom, which is great because they're all short chapters. And he has this thing um, of six by six. And he found he had six weeks to go before Christmas and loads of stuff to do. And, and he wrote down the six things that were most key for him to do in the following six weeks. Um, and, and started to, to actually order his life in those 40-week chunks. So not just in Lent, but throughout the year to say, okay, over the next six weeks, what are six really significant things that I want to try and achieve? And so I read that at the start of Lent. So I did that for Lend, but then reset it again at Easter. Um, and I'm looking at resetting it again now and trying to, in lockdown, it's really easy just to let stuff drift yeah. or for it to be the same day in, day out. And I found that quite a helpful thing to think about to say, okay, can I plan my life in these kind of blocks of time where six weeks is long enough to get something significant done, um, but it's not so long that you'll put it off forever. Um, mm. And I think that's been, that's been quite a helpful discipline. And finding little things like that, little spiritual disciplines or bits of wisdom that help people live Christian life in lockdown and in this different mode. Um, I think that's one of the challenges, I guess, to church leadership at the moment. And yeah. um, I'm looking out for that kind of thing, those yeah, sort of absolutely. wisdom things that help people live well. Yeah. No, that's really helpful. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Well, blessings on you. And um, we'll see you again soon. All right. Yeah.